Sometimes it's a lovely bake, but sometimes it's a bit dreadful. Welcome to the Gingham Altar. I'm Mac. And I'm Megan. Every week we tackle another episode of everyone's favorite baking competition, the Great British Bake Off. And after we've set our piece, we try to put our bakes where our mouths are and replicate some of the recipes from today's episode. This week we are tackling Series 10, Episode 2, It's Biscuit Week. Delicious biscuity cookie week. The nightmare of biscuit week. It's funny, people said, like, oh, everyone's scared of biscuit week, and I hadn't gotten that impression in previous seasons, but uh, I think the showstopper would be a nightmare for sure. We, I mean, we'll get into all the challenges and all this, but Michael literally, and I quoted it, I wrote it down exactly, he said, biscuit week is the nightmare. Ooh. And I was like, of all the weeks that, that come up week. every season, bread week perhaps? Yeah. Pastry week? Oh, anything with custard. Oh, yeah. I was like, egg week, whatever, you know, that ends up being. Yeah. But to me, a biscuit might be the easiest thing to bake. It's also, I guess it's easy to get wrong. I suppose that's true. Lots of over and under kind of stuff because you've got all this high sugar, short bake time kind of stuff going on. A lot well, of well, let me throw it to you like this. Like mm-hmm. we're not, you're not having seven-year-olds make custard. True story. seven-year-olds make perfect. cookies. Yes, that is true. Not a brandy snap, but a cookie. No. And, <laughs> not that I've ever... I, I haven't made... Have you ever made a brandy snap? I think I have. I was doing my brandy snaps and twills for a minute there, which I will love. Mm. The twill or the brandy snap? Both. Oh, mm. it's hard to say no to a cookie of any kind, honestly. I've been right. having a hankering lately. I want to do something. I'm just not sure what. And I had a really successful bake this week, so I'm looking forward to talking about it. Cool. I want to talk about mine too, because I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and make a controversial statement right up here up top. Do it. I don't know that I would consider either of the, either the signature or the technical necessarily a great biscuit challenge. They were unorthodox. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I I get, but I feel like where else are you going to fit them? If not there? Well, I understand that, but I, I don't know that at the end of the day, outside of the massive sculptures that we got to see anybody's true biscuit skills. We saw a lot like, so the, I guess we'll jump right in. The signature bake this week was 12 chocolate covered biscuits. Mm. And I didn't write down how long they had. It was like, what, two and a half hours, something like that. It was quite brief. And so basically it had to have a strong biscuit component that had to like do what they said it was going to do. And then it had to have another thing on top of it, at least one. And then they were going to cover it in chocolate and then decorate it. Yes. A lot of them involved nougat. When I got to thinking about this, and and I'll talk about more when I get to my bake, this reminded me a lot of a candy bar. Yes, absolutely. So you've got a little bit of biscuit, a little bit of something else, and covered in chocolate. That is a that's several candy bars. Right. It was like you know, I mean, there are a lot of candy bars. Any candy bar with a cookie component, you could kind of you could kind of see here a Twix, uh, Kit Kat. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay. I mean, I suppose it is a cookie challenge. Nah. <laughs> they haven't have they ever done a candy week? Ooh, not on any season I've seen. I know that it sometimes comes up in like patisserie week or dessert mm-hmm. week where they do like candy oriented stuff, but I don't know that they've ever done a full week just about candy. Some sort of decoration a lot of the time is essentially candy. Like they do a ton of caramel, sugar work, that kind of thing. But I think a candy week would be really fun. I think it'd be really interesting. And it's a completely different skill set. 
Yes. Uh, so temperature oriented and so precise. Yeah, it could be really fun. Key points that I had about this round, uh, one of, well, some of them have nothing to do with cooking at all because I noticed clothing instantly. Uh, Alice was wearing a very eye-catching pink eyelet top, super blousy. I was very into it. And <laughs> Yeah, she was having a week. She was having a lot of screen time. And so like you got to see a lot of that blouse. Uh, I especially loved it, Love it. when... Noel was like trying to banter with her and she was like, I don't banter, go away. Like, I don't get you. Goodbye. <laughs> like, like, that made me a little sad. <laughs> like, like, Noel, I don't think she's one of your people. She tries, but she's a lovely person, but she does not get the subtlety. But, yeah. <laughs> but she also had a great outfit in her reservist look. Yeah. You know, Sea Woman Alice representing. She's had an interesting life for someone who evidently has very little humor. Like, she's apparently super into New Zealand. And it, because this is the second time. No, wait. It was twice in this show, in this episode, that she brought New Zealand into her bakes. And this right. time around, the New Zealandese or the, the Kiwi phrasing for various baked goods is so funny to me. Like, what, what would... They had silly names. I wish I could remember what they were, but like... It's oh, like right, pokey. what they called honeycomb. Yeah. Pokey pokey. And then like, oh, well, that's mallow puff. And like, it just sounds like something from Harry Potter. And... Right. Yes. So well, that was She fun. seems like one of those people whose lives is like full to the absolute gills. Because she's also a teacher, right? Yes. And that's so she's was... a teacher, a reservist, an accomplished baker. She lived in New Zealand for a period. Went I mean, to art like, school. That came up this episode. Oh, yeah. So, like, does this woman sleep? Evidently Me not. thinks this woman does not sleep. Yeah, and she kind of has that wide-eyed look about her of someone who can get by just fine on four hours a night. Dale and I had uh, dinner with somebody the week before we got married, and he was telling a lovely gay man, and he was telling me when he was married to a woman way back when oh. that apparently she would uh, vacuum their house in her pageant tiaras and sashes and heels. <laughs> and like I can like that sort of like wide-eyed like I'll clean this house at three a.m. I totally get that vibe off of Alice a little bit. Like. Are, are you on coke a little bit? Like a lot of it? Like, right, but just that internal coke. She's just got like, you know, she's that, that joie de vivre. Fizzy. She is fizzy on the inside. <laughs> See. Yeah. Like, holy smokes. The other Aww. person whose fashion I noticed today was Priya's shirt dress. It had a great pattern. And I don't always love Priya, so I'm trying to say something nice about her. <laughs> and in my notes, I have Henry in his tie, but it has four E's because it was his tie. I know he's adorable. He's a however, he's a it does weirdo. make him look even younger. Yeah, and I get the feeling it's meant. Uh, I wonder if Henry would sort of like to be the guy like sipping whiskey in his wood paneled study. Yeah, it seems like he's got like a very particular sense of the world, especially if he's that young and he is paying for his bills in college by playing the organ. Mm -hmm. Your life was different growing up i had a crush on a guy who played the pipe organ at my church growing up he was a kid and apparently was like super good at piano and apparently if you're really good at piano the next step up is pipe organ because it's like rubbing your head and patting your stomach i would assume or wait the other way around and where i went to undergrad uh, we had some organ performance majors and i mean those guys would make a, and they were all guys mm -hmm. uh, those guys would make <laughs> a ton of money because no the organ's kind of a dying skill. Right. And so it's not like, you know, there's ton like if you want somebody to come play the organ, it's not like it's a 
you know, a seller's market out there. It's like hiring a harpist for your, is that what you call a person who plays the harp? Yes. Okay. It's like hiring a harpist for your wedding. Like, great. I'm the only harpist for 300 miles. So I'm going to rake it in whenever they need a harpist. That's me. The only harpist that I like knew in, in school, she was also really into wolves. <laughs> Where did <laughs> Okay. I and I think that that people. says a lot about that. Yes, it does. It does indeed. <laughs> so. <laughs> but you know what? I really love those people. Like, these oh. are the people I want to be my friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was going for a walk with Ryan, who, by the way, does not get me at all. Like, we got married. <laughs> we love each other. In some way, like, I feel like our sense of humor is similarly verbal, but lots of the time Ryan does not understand what I'm getting at walking around and I noticed there are a lot of people in our neighborhood who have decorated for Halloween. And I told him, I don't want to decorate for any holiday. But when I see someone who goes all out decorating for Halloween, I think you're my people. I don't do what you do, but the fact that you're this into this particular thing makes me think that you are an exuberant and interesting person. No, I can totally feel that. I was at a a storytelling competition last week and I was meeting a you know, somebody that I really hit it off with, we were talking after the show and her husband was like, I really wish magic existed, but I'm much too rational to believe, to believe in spirits. And I was like, you're my people. I get this. I'm right there yep, with you. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, can I go to this meeting and meet these people? I cannot imagine myself at a Comic-Con. No. But if I meet someone who's like, oh yeah, I'm really into cosplay, I could talk to them about their most recent costume and what went into it all day long. I like people who are intensely into things. Well, and I don't like the institutionalization of oddity. Like, I don't want us to all come together and like celebrate being odd. I just want to like run into you being odd in the world. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm, I've heard the phrase high self-editing. And I think that is probably me in that I'm conscious of the things about myself that will seem odd to other people. And I'm not really comfortable with everyone knowing quite that much about me. And it was a little funny. I think of, okay, so our two wacky contestants. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, are you a Rosie or are you a Helena? So I would say that I am probably a Rosie Same. because I don't know that like you are allowed to like work in the professional world and be a Helena a lot of times, well, especially if you manage other player, people. Evidently. Yeah, you could be a professional poker and poker player and jewelry maker. Yes. And come up with a lovely green color out of matcha. Yeah, that's a good but. <laughs> but you can't like manage a library. Right. I don't know that anybody's given Helena a building to look after. No. Maybe like a costume workshop I could see. Oh, she seems great. Like, and that's the thing. Like, she has a lot of talent and all that in her. But, and it's not that she's any more weird or less weird than Rosie is. It's just their kind of approach to the world. Anyway, that was a long aside. So all of the asides this week, like where they like do filming, is all about like what they do in their downtime. Is kind Mm -hmm. of the theme across everybody's things. And so I I think it might actually be Rosie where they're talking about like she's very into cafe culture. That's Steph. Oh, that was Steph. That's yeah. right. With her mom. It was like they're very into cafe culture. It's like, you mean like drinking coffee and eating tarts? Snacks. 
Yep. I, I mean, I didn't realize I was very into cafe culture, but I totally am. I looked at that and thought like, I want to go to like cute coffee shops and like meet up with my mom and eat snacks. So that sounds fantastic. Like, yeah, she's in Georgia at the moment, but that sounds like a big old time. Yeah. So you and I are cafe people and we never knew it. Uh, yeah, I know. I, did, I had a whole culture. Maybe we've got a flag. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what a little steaming cup of coffee. Pumpkin spice latte. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I know. I also, in these little asides, got to uh, hear the phrase busman's holiday, Ooh. which I was not uh, familiar with. Apparently, it's a it must be an expression where it's like your holiday turns into work because um, uh, they're talking about Rosie, uh, you know, riding horses and sometimes she has to take care of the horses afterwards. That's a good phrase. I do like that, yeah. A phrase that I heard today or, or in this episode that I really liked was um, the dog's dinner. I want to start using that more often as in like, I look like the dog's dinner. My bake looks like the dog's dinner. I'm going to, I'm stealing it. I'm integrating. And then my only other note about people's like, or I have two more things about people's lives that we were talking about. So they talk a little bit about Michael playing music with his family and the clip that they play is a discordant nightmare. Right, it's it's like three seconds, and I was like, y'all got them like off pitch, like for just a second. Surely there was a better piece of that clip. When I think of a family playing music together, I think like, what a nice bunch of weirdos. I actually have um, an aunt, uncle, and cousin, and it's like this whole uh, cousins. They're four kids, and they're all musical, and it's very sweet. But for some reason, to me, that seems unusually like von Trappy. We all get together and have family musical nights where we prepare songs. Is that, <laughs> am I weird? Like, no, I don't like know. I, I see that. Like, you see it in a lot of like TV shows and movies and things like that. But. Yes. I, like, I was trying to think, I was like, has my family ever sat around and sang songs for no reason, just for the joy of music? And I don't think so. No. No, us either. I, I'm pretty sure Dale would look at me like I was rather insane if he, he came home tonight and I was just like, do you want to sing It's a Small World in our <laughs> living room with me? Come on, at least make it something more fun, like, you know. <laughs> Little Freddie Mercury number tonight. (laughs) Yeah, just silently singing uh, Don't Stop Me Now. Like, no accompaniment, no nothing. Yes. Oh, my God. I love that you knew that the note that I hit was that particular song. I know that song. Especially, I mean, besides the fact that that song is great. I had a, uh, a friend who that was my, my ringtone for when I would call them. And it would often go to voicemail because she was waiting for the good part of the song to hit. (laughs) Which was, you know, flattering that, like, I got a cool song, but also, like, I need you to pick up the phone. This isn't funny anymore. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Just listen to it on your own time. (laughs) And then my last of the the people is trying to like David. Trying to like him. He seems like a nice guy. But I am not in a loving mood at the end of a run. The concept of running with someone I love. Do you want to go for a run together? Oh, it... And then after a run, go into public without changing to hang out. I've done it. I, yeah. But I've done it mostly when I lived in Alaska. And I wasn't running. I was doing Pilates. So it can get ever so slightly sweaty. Maybe it is cooler where they are. I wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking about like running outside in Georgia. The sopping mess you are at the end of it. Yeah. It's actually, honestly, running in Georgia is a bad idea. Like for your health. 
<laughs> at any time in the year, really. I, uh, I read an article when I was trying to get into running uh, one of the many failed attempts. And it's, it seems like it would be such a cheap way to exercise, but not worth it. The article said something like, if it's over 70 degrees, it's probably better to, to do so indoors in an, air, in an air-conditioned environment. And I was like, Cool, right. so you can run in the dead of winter. Yes, exactly. Uh, the months of December and January are available right. for your, your safe running enjoyment. Maybe three in the morning in October. Were there any of these bakes that you especially liked. I thought the witch's fingers were really fun, especially since we're in October now and headed that way, but apparently they were not uh, super appealing to all. I lust for Amelia's adjustable sized square pan. I get excited uh. about anything that has lemon in it. So there was a lemon marshmallow combo. I'm not sure who did it. And that sounded really nice to me, like a lemon flavored marshmallow. See, and I I liked Rosie's virgin mojito bars. I thought that those sounded pretty good. Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought that I, and I had never heard of Ruby chocolate before. So when Priya put that out there with the, uh, with the barfy, which is that milk sweet. Terrible name. Um, Throwing that out there. Which may come up again, who knows? <clears throat> I thought that that was, you know, really pretty, but, you know, and, and everybody seemed to do a pretty decent job on this, except poor Jamie. Jamie who really had like sucked an up. assembly line of people helping him at the end, like six people. Yeah, it was pretty, yeah. It, he's from the first episode seemed like he was in way over his head. To his credit, though, he reacts so charmingly to being outdone that he's i mean he genuinely laughs at one point when he says like oh one minute where noel says one minute left or something and he just laughs and that's so much more likable in a way than the blind panic the terror there's one contestant later on i've i I confess i've watched ahead and so have you evidently who talks about how badly things are going constantly and uh, like so taking it so in stride that things are going very badly I I thought was really impressive also anytime you see people being helped on this show is a really positive feeling one thing about people's hobbies uh Phil in addition to being a truck driver evidently is also a motorcycle fiend and I really liked the line where he offers a fairy cake to his biker I thought that that was a very apropos thing to take to one's biker group to funny cannot handle it the there were a couple of gross out moments in this challenge noel is talking to rosie and rosie oh, is, nope yep Mm-mm. really that one got you i just like the like the worm from the eyeball sort of thing i was just like oh that's your life it's real gross. Yeah, you forget that about medical professionals. Like, because, I don't know, when you're in a small town, like, I feel like they're sort of glamorous characters. <laughs> and... Uh, oh, my sister, who is a nurse has a, and a surgical assistant, has knocked all the glamour out of it that I might have ever seen, you know, for, for oh, a while. Oh, it's not she, like TV? No, at one point she, when she was talking to me, she was like, you know, I've, done, I've participated in a lot of amputations, but I've never done a leg, and I want to do a leg. Oh my God, Morgan is a nut. And she's the most normal of your siblings. Of the three of you, I'm including you in that. I know, she's the rosiest of us all. Yeah, I, she is the rosiest Freeman for sure. And wait, so, and I did not know this. So, okay, Max's sister is very pretty and very normal. I, 
<laughs> on the surface, evidently. Right. But she's like apparently a bloodthirsty creature, and I never knew. She loves what she does for a living. I had, she just she has found her calling in in all of this sort of stuff, and she's very awesome. into the nitty gritty of it. Well, I remember, but to give you an example of the, I remember one year you asked for a recommendation for something you could give her, and you ended up giving her for Christmas a sampling of different mascaras from Sephora, and she loved it. She did, yeah. And like, so she's that person, but she's also the person who really wants to cut off a leg. Right. I was like, the year she told me that, I got her a, a necklace I found on Etsy that is like an anatomical femur. And oh she loved Lord. it. <laughs> and then I showed her the shop where like you can buy any organ in the body as a little pendant. And she's like, this is the best. That's so funny. <laughs> so is she still in T-Town? She is married to a lovely man named Todd. And they are they're great folks. Glad to catch up with Morgan. So anyway, moving it, rolling right into the technical. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot more to say about the old. Uh, no, well, gotcha. <laughs> we pretty much beat that to death. Mm-hmm. So the technical was twelve fig rolls made in ninety minutes. Once again, gonna argue not a hundred percent on the cookie train. Okay, after having made them, I get it because it's like it's weird, but it is a cookie dough. That okay. wraps around it. it. It's not a cake. It's not made like a cake. It, it's for sure a cookie dough around the outside. I would almost like shove this in maybe the dessert category where it's like, that. it's kind of not any major category, but you eat it like a cookie. Some, you know, yeah. you do that. They call it a fig roll in the States. We have it as a Newton. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure that's named after someone. I should have looked that up, but I didn't. Yeah. I'm sure that's a, a, a trademarked something or the other. One thing I noticed is that almost none of the contestants would fess up to liking a Fig Newton. And it made me wonder, is this like a retro cookie? Maybe, I don't know. It's a very baby-friendly cookie, throwing that out, because it's all soft and it has some dried fruit in it, so you can pretend that you're giving your kids something with some nutritional value. We'll say, so apparently the first like mass-produced Fig Newton was in like 1891. Damn. So like it is an old cookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it sound like so, it's moldy. Like, <laughs> no, but like it's it's just it's a classic sort of thing. And it's something I never think of actually buying, but I do like. And that's how I kind of feel about figs in general. I think that they have dropped fig from the title, maybe? Yeah, they, I think they're just called like Newtons now. Right, because they have several different kinds made with different dried fruits. Like a, I've noticed berry Newtons pretty recently in the grocery store. And a friend told me that that is what her small children prefer. Figs, to me, do have a more adult palate flavor about them. There's there's a lot of richness, kind of like a vaguely Christmassy vibe about them. All that aside, there was a really sweet moment here Again, where one contestant helps another, and they were supposed to do 12 Fig Newtons. And Michael had cut his into six, and Rosie tells him, like, cut him in half, cut him in half. Like, you're supposed to have 12. And I thought that was nice. And also, I really liked when Priya said, when she, when Sandy was helping her to get Fig Newton out of her hair, or Fig Roll out of her hair, I like it like that. It makes it look like I've tried. And so, like... I feel like that because it's like I I am not TV presentation worthy while I'm baking. Like I get disgusting. <laughs> like sweaty or like no, stuff in just your hair? just food all over me. <laughs> we will like talk about it. Um, <laughs> awesome. So the the big things it seems like in this bake are how much spice is enough spice? Yes. And how long do you leave that dough in the oven? And shaping right. ended up being a place where people went astray. 
Like some of them were much too flat. And that's the problem with spices. Well, it is a matter of taste. Yep. You know, quite literally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you pump up that stuff, well, maybe it's great for some people and not great for other people. And But you're just kind of, you're aiming for the palate of the two people who are judging it. Yeah, shoot for the middle ground. So apparently Jamie did not watch Henry last week when Henry was like, I'm very good at following instructions. (laughs) And because Jamie's like, oh no, I can add an egg wash. No. And I was just like... They really would tell you to egg wash that thing if you were supposed to. Probably, yeah. Or at least say in the ingredients that you're going to need an egg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right, because that's probably not even in the biscuit dough. Yeah. And an egg wash burns sometimes. Like, right. Uh, it, it's well, it's going to give you a lot more color than what you're looking for. That's kind of the whole point. And if if you've had a Newton, they have a very soft and crumbly aspect, like to the point where they even say on the show, like, is it cake? And so... An egg wash would ruin that cakey texture and exterior by making it stiffened up. And I I do love an egg wash, just not on this. So Helena comes in last because she misses one. Jamie comes in last because it's the dog's breakfast. (laughs) Delicious. And then David uh, is second in the Fig Newton challenge. And Alice is on a hot streak as she comes in first all Bright-eyed and pink shirt. Yeah, she is glowing. I'll, I'll talk more about the the show, the technical, excuse me, later because um, that's what I did. So the showstopper is a three-dimensional biscuit sculpture. You can use as many different kinds of biscuits as you want. Whatever, it just has to be three D, and you got four hours to do it in. I would hate to do any kind of sculptural challenge because I struggle so much with decorating, and also it just seems really, really hard. And I must say, most of these are extremely good. Yeah, well, and what I will say about all of these is I actually think that the hardest part of this whole challenge is done before they ever get there, which is deciding what to do and designing it. Yes, absolutely. You know, if all you have to do is replicate it in a time limit, like, that's hard, but figuring out, like, all right, I'm going to make a chicken. Yes. All right, how do you make a chicken out of cookies? Which cookie am I going to use? Which recipe? Right. Like, and then what, maybe... What shape? How am I going to attach it? Testing a recipe to see, like, is this going to take too much time? Is this going to work? Oh, my gosh. And you can tell pretty much all of them, except maybe Jamie's, that they've definitely had a successful go-through at home. And I just, I thought there were so many, like, I love Steph's Biscat. <gasps> it was so good. I, yeah, so many of them are so good. All the animals. If it has an animal in it, I'm I'm in. There were so many animals. Like nine of them were animals. Yes. We had a turtle. We had a chicken yeah. named Legs. Yes. Um, we had Steph's ginger cat. Helena had a tarantula, which was mm-hmm. amazing. And also really upped my appreciation for use of coconut because she's used it twice now. And both times it's like, wow, this looks really good. Uh, Amelia's had a dolphin, but it looked like a manatee. Yeah. Michael had Hamish the Highland cow. Oh, that was a cubist cow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Michelle had the Dewey e Drag Gamarag. Yeah. Welsh is unpronounceable. Don't bother. <laughs> Phil made Tina the tortoise. Uh, there was another dragon from Priya. Right. And the Beast of the Rocky Mountain. The- I think that's everybody, but like that's nine of 12. Yeah. Yeah. Nine Or like eight of 11, whatever it is. And I really support it. I truly do. An animal is a good choice. It's a winner. Rosie making that that chicken, uh, you know, made me so always make me think of the big chick in Cobb County. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that there were so many good ones. This is also where we get our, it's where you kind of miss Mel and Sue a little bit because yeah. you know, we only got one bit of innuendo this episode and it's the 
So how big is your organ, Henry? Waka waka. <laughs> he, of course, turned very red. He and right. David are both big blushers. Like, yeah. you can see their discomfort all over their faces. It's really cute. Ugh, I love a blusher. I'm not a blusher myself. Oh, I can be. I believe it's it. That, that thin redhead skin. You mm. ginger creature. <laughs> Michael... Uh, with this Highland cow. Love the design. He puts in five teaspoons of chili powder. Yeah. I don't like chili, and I don't, uh, chili powder isn't, what am I thinking? Like cayenne, not like yeah. what you'd put in the soup chili. And I don't like chili in sweet at all. I don't know that I've ever had it. It's such an uncommon thing to see in the South that yeah. like you'd almost have to make it yourself. I've had it so- in chocolate. And I kind of want to give it a shot it. because that's uh, last season I made those rosemary biscuits. Right. Because I'd never really had rosemary, like a really floral biscuit before, and I really liked it. Right, yeah. And I can see how you go somewhere weird. You might love it, you might not. But um, five teaspoons, definitely. I know uh, Paul Yeah, a teaspoon being, goes a long way with the, that yeah. sort of spice. Paul ended up being totally okay with it, which surprised me, but Prue... Definitely seemed like she would have preferred maybe like one teaspoon in right. a inner slice of cow. Amelia makes a, I think, a pretty grave error by deciding to do stacking. Somebody does it every season. It's always a mistake. Yes. It always looks worse than if you had just done something simple. Yes. And it just, and they're not impressed. Like, right. that's clearly never the challenge. Stop it. I imagine that at some point she looked at the idea of doing something structural and was like, I can't do that. That's too hard. And decided to do stacking instead or thought she could make it look better that way. Yeah. Right. Or was going to, you know, go for more of the smaller elements and all that. And like the height wasn't going to be a, a big component of it. Like I can, I mean, I get it, but like don't stack. No. You kind of got to go like uh, what is it? Her name? Edna mode from the Incredibles. No stacking. No no capes. (laughs) No, no. I've read some articles. You sent me an interesting one, and I've seen another that are sort of criticizing the direction that Bake Off has gone in. And one of the criticisms that I've seen is that they are valuing, some people feel that they are valuing appearance of bakes over bake and flavor. And I feel like in this lineup, there's a really clear judgment that shows that that is not accurate, or at least not always accurate. Um, And that's, they have two dragons, one looks much better. Right. And one tastes much better. And it is clear that the person who has the better dragon is the one that does not look as good, which is Michelle. And Mm -hmm. because it has the better bakes. Whereas the person with the better looking dragon, Priya, is chastised for going with style over substance. But I do think that there's a little bit of something that you can say there where I still kind of hold, I think they were cast a little bit more on their design abilities than maybe they have been in past seasons. Yes, I would definitely. Because the overall quality of like the look of these sculptures is high. Was very high. I mean, continuing like with the showstoppers being very high. And, you know, not a ton of people f- completely fell apart with the fig rolls, but that was also not, like, maybe the hardest thing in the world to make. Right. No, it, um, it wasn't. <laughs> if you've got those sorts of skills and you can do it, like, I think there are people who really balanced, rode that line really nicely. And we haven't talked about David's wedding spray of flowers yet. Right. And I thought that those were so elegant. And it was, like, exactly kind of what you want to see on the show. It's like, okay, that's not so complicated looking that I could never make it at home. Right. But you've really emphasized the flavors. You've really thought about it. You know, it is it is about time and precision 
And I, you know, as much as I might have liked others more, I kind of thought that his was the best. Interesting. I was impressed by the fact that that one did not have any frosting or additional color. Right, which I thought was really compelling. Yeah, it it was. It was bare and it was all the, the shaping of the various biscuits and that was really impressive. However, on the opposite side, uh, moving away from elegant and more toward eccentric is Alice's sheep in a tiny field. Like So fucking cute. Oh my God. So last week we were talking about how some of the challenges did not really look like children's cakes. This to me... And, and I talked about sort of feeling like maybe they issued a challenge that they would not completely like because they don't like things that are childlike. This is a perfect example of a showstopper that is 100% childlike without being at all clumsy or saccharine. Or I mean, yeah, this was the perfect childlike showstopper. Yeah, and I think that it's really shown that like Alice could potentially be... Yeah in contention for this thing like she could go a quite a ways it was the cutest and then there's jamie poor jamie Mm. it just it just didn't come together you know and when when he was announced as the the person who was going home i gotta say that i wasn't necessarily surprised no no i thought he should have gone home the first week too it was just that somebody else did that much worse but um yeah he he was not just not in the same league as the other people there from the get-go yeah. it, it was just sad <laughs> but i noticed in the judging there are a lot of paul haters out there paul did a really good job of saying nice things about what is clearly not a competitive effort right and i think that that's something to remember whenever people want to like talk about the show or criticize anything about it is they have loads and loads of footage and so what might seem like the judges are not being fair or something comes out of left field may just be poor editing. That's true. Or uh, like exciting editing. Which for this kind of show is kind of poor. Yeah. All right. Anything else to say about this episode? If I had to pick two favorites, they would be Helena's Spider or Rosie's Chicken because I love the weirdos. I'd probably stick with the chicken, but I'd, I'd actually go with Alice's star baking run with the lamb. It That's- was just... <sighs> mwah. Yeah, that was amazing. And there were macaroons, which are so hard. Right. Macarons, excuse me. And Alice won. Um, yes, she did. Because she did so well in all three challenges. All righty. Well, we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we are going to talk about our recreations of this week's bakes. So we're back. All right. So this week, I took on the signature bake of a chocolate-covered biscuit. Mm. And I, you know, was thinking about it. And I was like, well, my favorite chocolate-covered biscuit is a Twix. I love a Twix, which is, if you're not familiar with candy, which, I mean, look at your life, look at your choices, is <laughs> a cookie with caramel on top covered in chocolate. And then I said, so, I, but I, I zhuzhed it up a little bit to make it more show worthy. So I mostly adapted from a recipe from tastebetterfromscratch.com. Yeah, so I'm right on the nose. Yeah. And uh, it looks like the author's name is Lauren Allen. So anywho. Thanks, Lauren. You start with a shortbread. So that's the cookie component of this. And it's a short bread. It's a cup of butter, cup of powdered sugar, two cups of flour, and some vanilla extract. Damn. So like butter is the fluid, Mm -hmm. but it's not even melted. Good God. (laughs) So so like when I was combining this, I was like, is this coming together into a dough? (laughs) Question mark, question. When you like got it in your hand and squeezed it, it would stay together. So I was like, 
okay. And she says to combine it with a, a pastry blender, like one of those choppers. Right. And I, I just use my stand mixer. Do you have but a pastry you, blender? I don't. So okay. I figured, but it might have gone easier if I'd, if I'd done it with that. Throw all that together, stick it in a 9 by 13 on some parchment paper, and bake that in the oven until it browns. So I took the shortbread out of the oven and then uh, you're supposed to let it cool completely. So while it's cooling, I go and I am making my own caramel for this. And so what you do with caramel is you combine roughly equal parts of butter, light brown sugar, and light corn syrup, and then a can of sweetened condensed milk. And that's pretty much all that like a basic caramel is. And what you do is you bring that to a boil And then you turn it down to a simmer and you just stir it for about 25 minutes. So forever. Right. You know, I put a podcast on. Did you have to stir constantly? Yeah, pretty much. Like, you're not like whisking it like, you know, for all you're worth, like you're trying to make stiff egg peaks. But you're, you're scraping the bottom to make sure that it doesn't burn. Okay. And the way you test caramel is you take a little piece and you toss it into a glass of ice water. I thought you were going to say toss it at the ceiling. And you toss it at the ceiling and see if it sticks. Um, you, to- you toss it into some ice water and then you can pull it out in your hand. And if it makes a little soft ball that you can work with, but that still is pretty soft, that it's done. Okay. So I took that, poured it over my cooled shortbread, stuck all of that in the freezer. All right. So here's where things, you know, the wheels come off the wagon a little bit. Uh, I was going to ask, like, it sounds like you did not use a mold. I did not. I don't own molds. Okay. And I didn't. Think to go get it because, well, in my head, I had forgotten that everybody except Amelia used a mold. Yeah. And so Dale was like, did you not go get a mold? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, okay. Because (laughs) in my head, I was like, it won't be that hard to dip these. Mm. It's been a minute since I've dipped anything. So. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? It's the dog's breakfast. It looks like what happens after the dog's breakfast. Right. So when I was saying earlier that I get things everywhere. Oh, dear. You I am almost something. specifically talking about working with chocolate. Oh, no. I like chocolate okay. Mm-hmm. Working with it, though, is a little bit of a nightmare because it gets everywhere. It does. And it looks like you have diarrhea all over the kitchen. It, it does. And at Christmas, we do – some people call them Buckeyes. Yeah. And yeah, the little – the drops of chocolate with a round of shortbread yeah and i think there are a couple of other dipped cookies as well and it is incredibly it's the part that you let little kids do because they can eat a massive amount of chocolate and they're cool with that and they get to make a mess and have fun but as an adult it is all over did you get in your hair i didn't get it into my hair but so so i melted down the chocolate from um semi-sweet chocolate chips i I didn't want to go with a full-on milk chocolate because i thought it would just be too sweet So I was melting that down, and I tried dipping the first one in, like, full-on Twix candy bar size, and it was a disaster. No. Because by the time, like, so you, you have to keep the chocolate hot enough so that it stays melted. Yeah. But then when you're dipping it, the shortbread is very crumbly. Were you doing a microwave or a double boiler? I was doing a double boiler. Okay, so that's an extra step of difficulty. Right, and, and I just didn't think about it. It's it's always the way that I do it. Yeah. And so... um. And it's so you don't risk seizing or ruining all of it. As I was trying to dip it into my bowl, the caramel was heating up. So the caramel, oh, which no. is completely set, has a time limit to how long it can be in the hot chocolate before oh, no. it really starts to glob over the side. Ah! And See, so... <laughs> were they frozen when you started? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. 
So and and they were frozen as a giant tray, and I would slice them into a piece, and then I would dump it in the chocolate. So the first like the first two or three didn't really come together, and so I was like, and the chocolate was you know starting to seize just a little bit, and I was like, ah, what am I going to do? And so I looked up online, and how you can kind of save chocolate if it's seized a little bit is you can add vegetable shortening to it. Yes. And so I added a tablespoon of vegetable shortening to what I was doing, and it was much simpler. So like it thinned out it thinned out the chocolate just enough. And what I ended up doing was instead of doing like a full size Twix, I did it maybe half size because these are a bit taller. And so what I did was I would uh, scoop up chocolate in a spoon, put the the Twix in the spoon in the large like serving spoon, and then use a a a smaller spoon to to drip the chocolate on all sides, all the other sides, so that I wasn't working directly on the heat. And I could do them kind of one at a time and do that. And so they got cuter as I went. Um, so, like, the picture is kind of the 12 cutest of them. Okay. Um, it ended up making, like, 30 of them. <laughs> That's a lot. How did, they, how did they do at work? So they are about half gone right now. Nice. Um, I took them in yesterday. But, like, yesterday, like, everybody brought in bakes. So, like, somebody wow. brought in a cobbler. And we had cookies because I had three new staff members start. Damn, and. But they seem to have been received pretty well. And I actually also added a little bit of coffee to the chocolate just to kind of give it a little bit of a, a different kind of flavor. Yeah, I like that. More complexity. Once they set, I uh, stuck uh, two half walnuts on each side of it and dusted it with a little powdered sugar. Love it. So, like, you know, so they were cute little homemade candy bars. You know, maybe they weren't the most, they would have been more elegant and like square had I used a mold, but I think that they actually turned out pretty well. I'd eat the hell out of that. And I thought that they were pretty good. I mean, the biggest thing that I learned was I can make caramel now. And my caramel tastes just like a Werther's original. Yeah. So like... Just, you'd make so, I mean, that's so a, happy. <laughs> so I mean, that's a skill that I've got in my back pocket now and can take and use. I will say, if I had to do it again, I would look for a crunchier cookie. Mm. Um, this shortbread was very short. I almost like it turned to powder in your mouth a little bit. That doesn't sound as appealing. You know, some like, I mean, people have said like, this is really good. I really enjoyed this. So okay. it's probably just my personal taste. Yeah. You know, I wanted a bit more of the yeah. crunch you get from a Twix. Right. And that wasn't exactly what this was. And the recipe that I was using, the the chocolate is where I diverged from her because she just makes it as a tray bake with a layer of chocolate on top. Gotcha. So she just makes a layer and then pours and then pours. And it's done. And that would be very easy. Right. And like, you would get that the same flavor profile at home. Okay. I mean, like, that honestly is how, if I were to do it, I would do it. because. But I know that wasn't the challenge. So, and you needed to do, because but then you could have just avoid all the dipping, but still have all the same components. Right. And so, like, you know, if you, if I were to make this again, or, or even, you know, wanted to do something like this, the whole idea of, you know, this kind of layering works out really nicely. And, you know, there's not a lot of candy oriented like to me a nine by 13 is more of like a cobbler dish yeah. so like to be able to do something more more candy or tray bake oriented i love a good tray bake mm, i mean hard to say anything wrong about it i you know for the most part it went pretty well i i was pretty i set out to do something and i think that i succeeded uh, i was you know pretty pleased with it it did not take forever to do it you know i had a little bit of stress with the chocolate about it and used up all my my dish towels keeping my hands clean but <laughs> Besides that, I, I this was a success. What yeah. you know would would repeat would make for company. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yes, on both. Especially for young company, like I think that this is the sort of fun thing that you could really offer to children, and they'd be like, "What?" Yeah, like blow their little minds. Right. 
That's awesome. All right. So tell me about you, Miss Fig Roll. So I had, shortly before we undertook our challenges, introduced Helen to the Fig Newton because when we go into stores where she sees packages of food, she does not really understand that I don't own all the food and starts making (laughs) this noise that she uses. She's not really talking yet, but she does some signing and she makes this noise like, "Mm." Mm. (laughs) and I know that I started it because I gave her something I wanted her to eat and then made that noise like, "Mm, isn't it good? And now it's how she tells me I would like to eat, please. And so I was in a grocery store and she starts making the hungry noise and that usually is shortly followed by rage. And so I just grabbed a single serving Fig Newton and learned that she really liked it. So I thought, well, I mean, if she likes that kind, maybe she'll also eat the other. And, you know, we always have trouble finding enough people to eat all of our bakes. And so I also noticed that this recipe, and I found it very gratifying, um, I looked up the exact recipe that they used on the show. Of course, they had an abbreviated version, and I had the full. Paul Hollywood's Fig Rolls, and you can find those on thegreatbritishbakeoff.co.uk. And first thing I noticed is that it's a pretty brief list of ingredients, positive. Second is that it only makes 12 fig rolls. And I know you and I, like, for example, your bake made 30. Right. Right. This is a pretty modest recipe then. Right. It was a very scaled back recipe, but... I noticed that for the filling, it calls for 200 grams of soft dried figs. I happen to already have a package of figs in the pantry and found out that's the standard package size for dried figs. So it's the amount of cookies you can make with a single normal size grocery store bag, which I also really appreciated because I'm sure you have bought something for a recipe and then found it took you three years before you finally threw it out because you didn't use it under any other circumstance. Yeah, Marmite. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is it still in your pantry by any chance? Yeah, it moved with me. Why? Leave Let it go. (laughs) Um, Because I'm cheap. Yeah, that's fair. Just in case. You never know when you'll need it again. Right. It did not. um, So the two major components were the biscuit dough and then the filling. And you make the biscuit dough first, filling second, they both chill, and then comes the shaping. So the biscuit dough was, I mean, pretty simple. You sift flour, salt, and baking powder, and then beat in the butter and sugar on a stand mixer. Add your dry ingredients and until finished. And then I scooped it into a square of cling film, wrapped it up, and stuck it in the fridge to chill. Super simple. It used brown sugar, which I felt like gave the biscuit dough a little bit more complexity. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I wanted to give a shout out to is a friend recommended Vinciadora or Vinciadora vanilla. It is genuine Mexican vanilla that comes by the liter. I bought it off of Amazon and had it delivered to Hawaii. And so I don't know how that works in the <laughs> world. You know, like liquid booze found its way to me. And um, it has been really good, complex, tasty vanilla. And I've had some bad vanilla uh, in yeah. the past. So highly recommend Vinciadora. Cool. Starts with a V. Mix up the biscuit dough. That's in the fridge chilling. To make the figs, just like you mentioned in the previous episode when you had to work with all your dried fruit, we put 
you put the figs into a saucepan, cover with water, and then add some light muscovado sugar, brown sugar, and bring it to a simmer so that you can work some of the water into the figs until they've swollen up a little bit. And you just cook that until the figs are soft and the mixture's thickened somewhat. Then you move that as well as a teaspoon of ground cinnamon. And it called for a ball of stem ginger in syrup, which is how I learned that stem ginger is not a thing where I am because I looked for it at the regular grocery store and Whole Foods. Yeah, I guess I don't know what that is then because I just thought it was ginger. Stem ginger is, in order to make it, because I found a recipe where you can make it, you basically take chunks of fresh ginger and slowly cook it in a simple syrup until okay. it is very softened. So and it's like a preserved ginger almost, like yes. a sweetened preserved ginger. Exactly. And it calls for one ball, which first of all, not a measurement. And <laughs> second of all, I couldn't find it anywhere. And the recipe I found to make it would have made a prodigious amount. And I'm not a huge fan of ginger. So I just added half a teaspoon of ground ginger. And since I like it, I also added a sort of a rounded quarter teaspoon of ground allspice. Oh, I do like allspice. Me too. Mm. And so, and I, I felt like... Like that flavor profile works really well with the figs because they have a sort of richness to them that I really like. And all that worked really well with the brown sugar because that has some richness and complexity too. It's a very adult cookie. Yeah, well, and like kind of just going through all of this, these are all very like the fall flavors. Yeah. You know, this has a very Thanksgiving-y, you know, like in my mind as like the, the color that goes behind this on the table is orange and yellow. Mm-hmm. And it's served in the afternoon, and in the evening there is apple pie a la mode. Right. And yeah, I I was about it. And so we've got all of these spices and my figs and the little syrup I've made on the stovetop dumped into the smaller bowl of my food processor. I have a Cuisinart, which I really... Do you have a food processor? I don't. It's one of the few like major appliances I still need to get. It is a space hog, but every time I use it, I can't think of another way I would have accomplished the same task as well. Right. And so, but yeah, it does take up most of a cupboard. And um, I could, in theory, do it in the Vitamix, but if have you ever tried to get something semi-solid out of the bottom of a blender? Yeah, it's just, you gotta scrape it and play and try not to nick yourself on all the blades. Exactly, and... yeah. I'd, I'd rather just do the food processor where you can pull the whole blade out and then use a spatula. But... After all that was done, and I'd chopped it up, given a couple pulses, and it was smooth, dumped that out into a bowl with a lid, and popped that in the refrigerator to firm up, because it was kind of like something you could spread on toast when it came out of the food processor. And this is where I deviated hugely from the technical, because the bakers, poor things, would have had to go ahead and shape pretty quickly. They did not have a lot of time for chilling. Whereas, I have a baby and she needed to go to bed. So I put her to bed, and after that was done, I sort of forgot what I had been doing, and I went to bed. So the following day, <laughs> I had very cold biscuit dough that needed to be made into fig rolls and uh, some chilled fig roll dough. So you uh, preheat the oven to... I want to say it was like 375 and uh, you roll out your chilled dough. I had to let it warm up for a little bit into a rectangle and then you cut the rectangle into two strips. You make the 
fig filling into kind of a sausage. I um, floured my hands and then rolled it like a snake between my hands, Play-Doh style, and then laid it down uh, a sausage or a snake on each uh, rectangle of dough. And then I wet one edge of the dough with some water on my finger and pulled the dough up and over to make a cylinder and press that seam shut with my fingers. And then I used a sharp knife and cut along each log. And I don't, you don't have to like pick it up and separate out the cookies. You just leave them as they were sliced. It baked for a pretty short period of time. It was 12 to 15 minutes. It was ready after... 12. So at that point, I had seen on the episode that they weren't going to get very brown, but I noticed after I took them out and I picked one up that it was a little bit browner on the underside. And okay. they were and remained very soft because they're supposed to be. Helen was not as impressed as I would have hoped. <laughs> I know it's really what a sad. critic. I have, I'll have to post a picture I took of her when I gave her the last one, which I really wanted. And she was just having a rough mo- m- morning because we had gone to the beach that morning and she was totally worn out. And she's like, she looks like I have fed her a turd. <laughs> like, just like a look of complete horror and misery. And it was not deserving of that level of criticism. I think I did a great job. Thank you, Missy. And. <laughs> But yeah, they were delicious. They have had this complexity and all that fall flavor. I will totally make them again. They were delicious. They were noticeably better than a store-bought Fig Newton, mostly because the biscuit dough was better. And, but the filling also was more spiced than a store-bought Fig Newton. And I'm not knocking a store-bought because those are pretty good anyway, but these were better. And so, yeah, Paul Hollywood, it's, I, I have to hand it to him. Did a good job. Cool. Well, that's great. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it's nice. I know it's more entertaining when we fall apart, but yeah. it's nice when things come together and we've actually got things to serve oh people. God, oh, thank God. I, there is a reason I do this. And, you know, what's funny is that I shared my crappy bake, but I ate all of my fig newtons. <laughs> <laughs> like, I ate all the good ones. <laughs> I actually, like, I ate one of these. Like, I actually, I took them to work and they were half gone. And I was like, oh, I need to eat one of these so I can talk about it on the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I honestly didn't, wasn't really in the mood to eat it. Like, it was just like, it's going to be a little too sweet for what I'm in the mood for. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed making it, you know, uh, as a project. It was a lot of fun. That, yeah, I get it. I mean, I've knitted things and afterward thought, well, it's not really something I want to wear because it's August. But yeah, so I get it. I wanted to throw out, because I'm looking at the recipe online from bake, from the Bake Off episode. And at the bottom, it looks like they have quite a few of the Bake Off recipes from the contestants. So that's fun yeah. to look at for listeners like I'm looking and they have from the Signature Challenge, Henry's Coffee Cardamom and Hazelnut Bars and Michael's Lemon and Rosemary Biscuit Bars, uh, Rosie's Virgin Mojitos. Uh, yeah, there are a lot. Oh, you can make Helena's Wicked Witch Actually, it's almost all of them. Like cool. Michelle's and that may Bakewell. be a relatively new thing because I know that they would usually feature like one of them. Yes, and it's there are a lot available. Cool. Yeah, pretty fun. You should check. All righty. Anything else to say? I don't know. Loving life, loving baking. I did okay this time around. Next time is bread week, so who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening today. Uh, if you like the show, please give us a rating and review on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever else you're listening. You can see pictures of our bakes and follow us on Instagram at the Gingham Alter Show. 
You can also email us at thegingamaltershow at gmail.com. Our theme music is Cheery Monday, licensed under uh, Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 from Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. All of this and more can be found in the show notes each week. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Megan. And this is Mac. Wishing you a lovely bake. Bye.